Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we are coming back to uh, more topical things, more, um, I guess, real-time news and that type of, uh, those types of topics, um, as we are now entering into the beginnings of kind of the really fun seasonal news uh, time of year, where we've started to have... uh, other developer conferences for other platforms. So uh, Microsoft Build just happened. Google I.O. is happening right now as we're recording. Um, and then we're starting to head towards you know, WBDC in um, just under four weeks from now, or three weeks from now, something like that. It's getting very close. Um, so we're starting to have some really interesting topics. Um, and we have a couple of those that we're going to unpack uh, today. And I think the first thing that I wanted to talk about is to talk about the new dot app uh, TLD domain that uh, just reached uh, general availability. Um, I think it was yesterday as we were yeah, recording. Yeah, yesterday. Um, so it's it's so for anyone who's not familiar. So a couple of years ago, a whole explosion of new uh, top level domains, which are the things that come after the final period in a URL. So originally it was things like .com, .net, .org, .gov, um, and then they've expanded it. Now you have all these, the silly ones like .pizza, .camera, um, and one of the more interesting ones is that Google um, acquired the rights to manage the .app domain, which as app developers is potentially interesting. Um, and it was originally, I think, a little unclear as to what Google's intentions and plans were with it, um, exactly what they were going to do. Um, and but in, you know, as as of right now, it's just a top level domain that anyone can register um, a domain with. There was an original period there where the, you know you can, if you had a trademark for um, an app name, you could have applied for early access to it. There was a period where you could have applied, you know, paid extra money to acquire a domain. Um, all those are passed, so it's not particularly interesting to talk about those at this point. Um, but at this point, anybody can register you know, a domain just like anything else. There's this sort of that standard land rush period where um, you know, I'm sure the more uh, generic or uh, highly sought after domains may have sort of already been all gobbled up. But um, in general, it's now something that you can do, um, that you can register and you have, you know, so for example, I, have, I registered uh, pedometer.app. Um, for my app pedometer plus plus that seemed like a good uh, thing to do it's kind of a funny thing though because i registered it because it felt like i wanted to own that i'm not really sure if it makes any sense for me in in many ways though like the, the way people download my app is not through like going to safari typing in a url um, and hitting go they're either going to search for it in google they're going to search for it in the app store um, you know and i think my analytics you know read this out that there's the, the percentage of my traffic that is coming from actual um you know just people typing in a url and going to it is very low but at the same time it seemed like something that would be um wise to wise to own and but i think is an interesting discussion around if this is if this makes sense if it's important is it just like this another kind of random tax that we're paying now um but anyway so did you register any marco I actually did, and, and and the process I think might be interesting to people. I don't know because um, so you know you mentioned you mentioned the phases of general availability, and uh, the first phase, uh, which is called Sunrise. This is like any top level domain that gets launched; they they seem to go through these same phases recently. Um, Sunrise, Land Rush, and then I think General Availability or whatever the last one is called. Um, during Sunrise. Only trademark holders can register during Land Rush. Anybody can, and whoever gets there first gets it. But it's at it's at a higher price, and then after that, uh, it's just you know, quote, regular pricing, whatever that means, and, then, and, and also anybody can register. Um, 
I went through the process because I have a trademark on the word overcast. I went through the process to register overcast.app during the sunrise phase and actually get my domain like assured to me as the trademark holder. I've, I've talked a little bit about having trademarks in the past. It is not cheap to have a, to have a trademark file. I mean, for me, like I hire a law firm that specializes in this to do it. And every, every trademark I file ends up costing, I think, roughly around $3,000 US. So this is not a small thing for, for most indie developers. And, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons why you might just not need to. And, and I think most developers probably don't need to file trademarks. But uh, it does help if you do and if you can afford them. It helps in things like takedown requests for apps that are squatting on your name, like, you know, fraud apps or, you know, like, like I don't have an app in the Google Play Store, but... If somebody launches a podcast app called Overcast in Google Play, I can file a complaint with them and say, look, I have this trademark. This is not me. Take it down. And same thing with Apple. You know, you can file trademark takedown requests. And generally, those are handled a lot faster and, and more reliably than other types of takedown requests that you might file with them. Like if somebody rips off your name or icon or tries to just clone your app in, in most ways, most of the app stores not going to do that much you know they, they kind of like <laughs> apple used to be more responsive with that now they kind of just go back to you and say here you two work it out yourselves and let us know how it goes and of course you know the the, the people the person squatting your name is like i didn't do anything wrong and it's you know the burden's on you to try to argue with them and apple to do anything but if you have a trademark it makes those arguments a lot faster and easier uh, for you and for apple and google and everybody else to to deal with um, so that's one reason to have it and, you know, it also just adds value to your app in, in case of, you know, acquisitions down the road. You, having a trademark is useful um, and it just helps, you know, uh, getting a trademark also helps reasonably ensure that other people are probably not going to make a trademark claim against you because the U.S. Patent Trademark Office looks at similar things when they issue your trademark. And if there's anything close to it, they won't issue it in theory. You know, some, not everybody's perfect, but in theory, that's how that's how that works. So anyway... All good reasons to have trademarks. And because I have a trademark on Overcast, I decided to go through the Sunrise registration phase on .app and actually register Overcast.app you know, in that way. I had never done anything like that before, so I figured I'd give it a try and see, and see what the process is. And it's kind of weird. Basically, I went to my registrar uh, for, for most things. I use either Hover or Gandhi. Um, and so I, I, I went to, in this case, I used Gandhi because I think they had it first. Anyway, I, it doesn't matter. Um, I went to the registrar and, I, and I, I did the search for the Sunrise registration, paid for it. And then they have you, before you're allowed to place the order, you have to upload like a signed certificate file from a trademark broker that they certify that, that can verify that you are the trademark owner. And I don't know if there's more than one. It, it seemed like there was only one. It's called Trademark Clearinghouse. And so I, I had to go register with Trademark Clearinghouse and then fill in all the info from my trademark registration with them. And then they had somebody and, and pay them, I think, 150 bucks, something like that, or 100 bucks. And uh, they filled out or they, they inspected it. I had one thing wrong. I had like one, one of the activation dates was wrong. They rejected it at first. I had to go back, file again, fix the date, and then they approved it. So then they allowed me to download this certificate file that cryptographically is signed by them that it, in, that says, yes, I am indeed the trademark holder. I uploaded that file to Gandhi's website when I was registering the domain during Sunrise, paid the 100 or 150 bucks to Gandhi also. So we're in for about 300 bucks so far. And uh, then finally got the name. And I, I only have to do that once, you know, subsequent registrations will be easier and I think cheaper. Um, so I also tried 
to register a few names that I don't have trademarks on, at least not yet. Uh, I tried to register Forecast, which I have a pending trademark application, but it's not issued yet. Uh, so I tried to register Forecast.app. I also tried just kind of, you know, let's see if I can get it. I tried registering Podcast and Podcasts.app. And all three of those that I tried to register during the land rush phase, which is where anybody can register, but it just costs a little bit more, I lost all three of them. Uh, all three, like, because it's basically like whoever, whichever registration gets sent in first by one of the registrars, that's just what gets it. And I lost all three of those. Um, so the only one I have that I actually succeeded in buying is Overcast, which is the one I have the trademark for. Yeah, and I would imagine too. I know Apple has pod trademarks on podcast as as a word as well. So who knows if Apple themselves are, are you know, went through the uh, trademark phase with 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 those domains as well so could i could have even been snapped up just even by a trademark holder in that way even though podcast is now a gen- like a fairly generic term at this point it's likely still you know they still hold a trademark to it the the value of domains like you mentioned a little bit ago you mentioned how it kind of feels like it's just like a tax the value like i already have a perfectly fine domain i have overcast fm and forecast just has a page on overcast I don't, it doesn't really have its own domain um and i don't need podcast.app really it would have been cool if i could get it but i didn't so oh well um the value of domains is is questionable in this day and age you know as you mentioned most of your customers don't like most people don't just type in arbitrary domain names seeing if they'll work it's like i need a podcast app i'm going to type in podcast.app into my browser and just get whatever's there like that's nobody does that everybody just searches either the app store or web search engines uh, whenever they want something so the reality is that the value of domains uh, is is not that high, especially now that now there are so many top level domains that you can register for general use that any given one, like any name you you want, you can probably get you know whatever comes before the dot. You can probably get whatever you want at one of these domains, uh, you know, within reason. And it doesn't really matter if, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm overcast.fm or overcast.app or overcast.site or overcast.plumbing. No, not really. It, like, it's, you're lucky these days if the browsers even show a URL at all <laughs> when you're browsing the web, let alone, like, paying too much attention to your domain name. So it really doesn't matter that much anymore which top-level domain you get. I was, though, I was excited about .app because a lot of the new ones are, like, kind of too specific or too wordy like one of the things about dot com and dot net and dot org and, and to some degree even dot, dot fm is like these aren't words themselves so like your brand name was whatever was before it and whatever was after it didn't matter so like my brand name is not overcast dot diamonds my brand name is overcast and if you have a a short domain name that is just kind of you know letters or very generic like app or dot com or dot us things like that it's the focus comes comes on the name that comes before it and a lot of these new uh, diamonds and plumbing and you know dot rentals and everything a lot of those new names they are themselves words that have to become part of your brand and it kind of ends up sounding like just like a big generic phrase and that's I, I i've never really taken to that like I, I don't think most of the new tlds are are useful in that way because they're too wordy and specific uh but dot app is nice it's one of the few that has launched you know in recent years where that actually is you know short and generic enough that you can build a meaningful brand on it without it just kind of reading or sounding weird so i'm, I'm actually very happy about that i 
I, you know, it still doesn't matter as much whether you have a certain domain. It matters more that you have a domain <laughs> and that you're not like, you know, hosted on like, you know, something dot, you know, wordpress.org or dot tumblr.com for your like app site or whatever. Uh, but otherwise, you know, any domain is pretty much fine. So it doesn't really matter if you get this one or not. Some are, some are easier and more clear than others, but most people who are going to hear about your app are going to do it via search or tapping an ad or something like that anyway uh it's it's not going to be through just typing in arbitrary domain names because and even you know when you type in in the url bar you're usually just automatically doing a search anyway Uh, so again it's the value of having a particular domain is is not very high yeah i mean i think really all the main benefit i see for this is like it's a slightly more memorable it's like a short code in some ways for your like it seems more memorable that if you know if if you you meet somebody and they say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I make a podcast player. Oh, what's it called? Overcast. It's like you can just like be able to say overcast.app like has a, it seems like that's a reasonably memorable experience for them potentially. Like it it's, it ties together what it is with its name. Um, now, fair enough. I'm not sure if how you beyond like all they really are potentially probably doing is using it as a way to get redirected into the app store, which is ultimately what you want. Um, and they... I mean, it probably maybe comes into more into play if you have really poor uh, search ranking in the app store. That if you search, you know, and unfortunately, many times, even if you search for the exact name of an app in the app store, it still won't be the number one hit, especially after a search ad. So, like you, like in that in those situations, I could see it coming more into play. That if you are doing more advertising um outside of the app store or finding ways to drive people to your app store page um, which will actually tie into our, our our next topic a little little sneak peek there um but if you are doing more of those types of activities where you're trying to drive people externally into the app store um it like it may be slightly useful but yeah like i mean mostly with this kind of stuff i feel like it's like yeah it's i feel like it's a, it's a responsible thing to do and mostly i just don't want someone else to have it um i mean it's sort of like when a new platform comes around and you like snag your own name, like even if you don't expect to use the service, um, it's like, this is just a certain amount of vanity around that. But you know, anyway, it's just like, if you, if you are an app developer, it's probably a reasonable place to start. Um, that if you're, if you're making a new app that rather than getting a .com domain, getting a .app domain seems reasonable. It's also nice to just have the it kind of like, you know, like the, the land, availability is reset on this like yeah. you're not going to get a dot com for pretty much anything anymore it's really hard and really expensive usually because you got to usually buy it from a squatter and at least with dot app there is a lot of that same problem there's lots of people that are squatting on it already and that will continue to squat on it but it's going to be less than dot com so you, you at least will have a chance of maybe getting one of them yeah yeah and especially in this initial period so like if you have an idea or you're working on an app like this is the opportune time to go and um sort of s- snap it up i mean it wasn't very i don't think they're particularly expensive like some domains have really high um even just regular costs mm-hmm. but i think these were it was like 20 ish 25 something like that dollars. yeah that's that's within the realm of like reasonable average cost yeah, like like the, you know dot fms are like 70 bucks a year yeah and I, and I don't believe um i it was it was that much i'm not entirely sure because i think i ended up i paid slightly more because i registered inside of one of the grad like the escalating early tiers um uh, for mine i have no idea which price but i think i ended up paying 124 dollars. so i have no idea like what exactly what phase that was but um i think it, it got the impression the renewal price will be more like in the 20s and, and somewhere around there 
Yeah. And so the two other things to mention about this before we, before we move on, um, I do think it's interesting that uh, they are requiring at the registrar level, they're requiring all .app sites to be served over SSL. And that, and I'm not sure, I assume there's some kind of DNS trick they're doing where they coordinate with the browsers and things to say, like, basically to enforce strict transport security at the top-level domain level to say, like, this domain shall always be served HTTPS only. Um, and so I haven't read up on, like, exactly how they're doing that, but it's an interesting concept. Ultimately, I you know, most sites are going HTTPS anyway, but it, it, that does certainly add like a barrier to entry here that is not present on regular domain names uh, that I'm not sure is entirely necessary. Um, and, 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 you know, by raising the barrier to entry, you also just, you know, you make it harder for people to make new sites. And I don't think that's healthy. Um, the other thing is that this is a top level domain that is owned by Google and run by Google. And I, that just makes me a little uneasy. Now, in, in reality, this is not the first big company that, is, that has other business interests besides domain registration um, that is a top-level domain registrar. Like, for instance, I believe .blog is run by Automatic, the parent company of WordPress. Yes. Um, and so, there, like, there are other instances where recently, especially in recent years, where, like, tech companies whose business is not domains end up becoming the registrar. Like, they apply. There's, there's this application process with, uh, I think, with ICANN or something. Anyway, uh, they apply and they get granted like exclusive registration rights for this TLD. I find that whole thing a little bit weird, and it certainly creates the potential for weird conflicts of interest uh, or weird biases. Like, for instance, Google might now prioritize .app rankings uh, when people search for an app name. They might up, you know, they might, they might like uprank things that are hosted on .app domains, which both you know disincentivizes people from using other things and gives google a you know a big monetary incentive to keep <laughs> they're going to keep selling those dot app domains to all of us and it tells us like maybe we should buy a dot app domain even if we, even if we weren't planning on it because google's going to penalize us if we don't so that's that's a potential here that, that i'm not looking forward to the only saving grace for me that that prevents me from totally going off the mental deep end about how bad it is for companies like this to own the tlds uh is that the other companies that have been top-level registrars in the past, people like VeriSign, are also just like shady, horrible companies a lot of the time. Like they, they have not; they, their track record is not good. <laughs> and so, uh, it, it as as bad as it is to have like you know companies with potential you know conflicts of interest uh, in here or anti-competitive behavior. The, the reality is, the previous companies that administered domains like this were not much better, and at least Google is a little bit more publicly accountable than a lot of those other companies were. Uh, so I, I was worried, but once I thought a little bit more about it, I, th- I figured, well, it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily need to be as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, and at least I would say it is encouraging to me that they're, they're, they at least at the so far have made no overtures towards making the Google Play Store be like a connected to the .app domain. Because um, originally I was kind of worried if they were going to do a thing where you know, the, the dot app domains were available for Google Play apps, for example. Like, I don't know the degree to which they could have done that or like if there would have been weird, you know, like ICANN rules or like policy things around that. But it was also like, did they get dot app because they control an, you know, an app store and are going to kind of merge those two together? But at least so far, anyway, that doesn't seem to be the case, which is encouraging. 
We were sponsored this week by Linode. With Linode, you have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with pricing starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you are just getting started with your first server or deploying a whole complex web app system, Linode is the right choice for you. They have the fastest hardware, the fastest network, and fantastic customer support behind it all. It has never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server, and they guarantee 99.9% uptime for availability. Once your server is up, they want to keep it that way. And Linode now offers additional storage at very good pricing, too. Block storage is now out of beta and is available in two of their data centers so far, and they're expanding it to all their data centers by June. Linode is great for things like hosting large databases, running mail servers, running your own VPN, Docker containers, private Git servers, and so much more. And Linode is actually hiring right now. If that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their base plan is just $5 a month. That gets you one gig of RAM. And they offer many other plans that go up from there, including high memory plans. As a listener of this show, you can sign up at linode.com slash radar. That will support us and will give you $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the one gig plan, that's four months for free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code radar2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and hosting all of my stuff. So another topic that seemed came up this week that seemed like a really interesting one for this uh, sort of our audience was uh, Microsoft announced that their app store, the Microsoft store, which I guess is where you get Windows 10 apps, um, is changing their fee structure around. So I think previously they had been following the same fee structure that kind of everyone copied from Apple where it was a 70-30 split. So, you know, so the uh, the store itself takes a 30% cut off uh, a developer, you know, sort of in-app purchase and direct purchase revenue uh, from applications. Um, Microsoft is moving away from that towards a, and this I believe only applies to non-game um, applications, which is also an interesting caveat, but they're moving to a model where um, you the split will be uh, 95% to the developer, 5% to Microsoft. If for downloads that are made, um, using a sort of a d- deep link into the store, which in my I don't know the store well enough to know, but I imagine that means if someone just has a link straight to your app and they download your app, then they're essentially saying that in that case, we didn't do any work for you. All we're going to be is a payment processor for you. So we're going to charge you payment processor t- type fees. And then it's 85%. Uh, for other purchases. So if, you know, it's presumably this is if, if they are finding it through the store, then in that case, Microsoft is saying, well, we're going to take an extra 10% in those cases, because we were acting as a marketing venue for you. So we're charging you kind of marketing services. Um, whether this is actually have any effect more broadly in the industry, if Google or Apple would ever copy this or move towards it, I have no idea. Um, this in many ways makes me think of like when T-Mobile or Sprint makes some kind of change um, <laughs> in the U.S. carrier market. And then it's like, is this actually going to affect Verizon and at and It's like, probably not. Like, but maybe in the long run, I don't know. Like, there's an interesting kind of tie there because as, I mean, Microsoft Store, certainly for, um, you know, in, in, on the mobile side, isn't really a thing. And I mean, as far, as far as I know, is not in general quite as large, large and vibrant of a, or at least large of a market as, um, Google Play or the uh, the iOS App Store are, but nevertheless, it's interesting when a big, well-known player comes in and tries to do something like this. Um, you know, is lowering the is, and I think the model they're taking, I think, is really interesting that they're applying this to applications and not games. 
um, and then you know kind of having this tiered approach and overall it's like I, if, this, if if apple announced this i mean i would be delighted um I, it's any t- you know so any t- anything like this where it's trying to encourage presumably marginal businesses to be able to succeed um where you know if you have a massive business the difference between uh 70% and 85% may be large in terms of you know the actual nominal amount that would be reduced and you would get back but it probably has the biggest bigger impact on sm- a smaller business where it's you know that you would kind of imagine the smaller indie type app where the different like for them getting an extra 10,000 say $10,000 a year um if you know their their app is making in the eighty to ninety thousand dollars gross uh, range, like that extra ten thousand dollars could be the difference between them sustaining the app and being able to make a viable business of it, or not, and you know, kind of falling away or um, having to do other things. And so, anything like this that is trying to encourage that type of behavior, uh, I think, is really cool. Um, I'm not sure though if this their particular approach is the way that I would do it. Like, I think it would be great personally if it was more tiered based on revenue like that always seemed like an approach that would make a lot of sense that um especially i think certainly again splitting out um games and uh, non-games but if non-game applications like you could imagine a thing where it's you the first you know whatever the first uh fifty thousand or hundred thousand dollars of revenue you make a year you had you know the apple takes a smaller cut and then it escalates from there so that you kind of can encourage and nurture the small players to build out a more vibrant ecosystem. And um, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I would love to see Apple do something with this. I don't know if they ever will, but it's nevertheless, it's interesting to see someone else push, putting some pressure because at the very least, my guess is somewhere in th- inside of Apple now, they're having a conversation in reaction to this. And that conversation, even if it leads nowhere, is still uh, an encouraging thing to, to have happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is mostly wishful thinking because Apple is in a position of power here. They don't really have any reason to lower their fees. Um, but, you know, it, it, it this does... I mean, first of all, distinguishing between games and apps, I think, is fraught with issues. Like, how do you define? Is is something that's kind of in the middle? Like, how do you define that? Do you define it as an app or a game? And is there, like, there's like you know, questions of interpretation of rules and definitions there? So that's a little bit odd. And it is kind of... It seems like kind of a cheap move because, like... We all know that games print most of the money in, in, this, in the app stores for most of these devices. So like, it kind of like lessens how much this actually costs Microsoft. But I do like the idea, you know, it seems more fair that as the app stores have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger since they launched like, you know, 10 years ago, it, it, you know, the, the value of the editorial and marketing side of them has diminished because there's just so many apps now that you're pretty much on your own for most of your marketing for almost any app. So it does make more sense. It's, it is a more fair split that they charge rates more in line with payment processors, which is basically 10% or less, I would say. Um, so, And you know, when you direct link in, they say 95%, you keep. So that, that is actually very good. I wish Apple would do that. And then that, that gives developers incentive to market their stuff outside of the store which is what everybody wants us to do anyway and it that is more effective because marketing in the store is so hard um and then otherwise their cut is 85 percent uh for non-games which is reasonable we already see apple doing that with subscriptions in in subsequent years and i actually you know that's i make a lot of my income that way and about and i don't know exactly the ratio but like a good portion of my income is now being hit at the 85% rate instead of the 70% rate, which is really nice. Uh, but 
ultimately this is just kind of a a theoretical you know wishful thinking kind of exercise because again apple is apple is in completely the position of power here and also Apple is now trying to make a lot more of their money from services because the other categories are getting kind of saturated and growth is slowing down. So I think the chance, and this is where, you know, this is part of services revenue for them. So I can't imagine Apple ever saying, you know what, 70%, through, through the goodness of our hearts, we think that's now, you know, too little. We're, we're now going to give you 85 or 90% on everything. Like that's, I, that's never going to happen. Sure. I mean... I don't know. It, it, I, the, only, the only thing that I, I hold out my a little bit of hope for is it's I sometimes wonder how Apple feels about the way that even though it is tremendously growing their services revenue, so much of their their services revenue is coming from consumable in-app purchases inside of games. And that is the area that seems to have the most vibrant, diverse, like energetic ecosystem because that's where the most money is to be made right now. And I wonder if, at the at the very least, there is a part of Apple that wishes that there was more diversity and vibrancy um, on the long tail on the things like the sort of like only like only on the App Store kind of kind of um, applications and that type of more. It's like in my mind, it's like kind of that more independent vibe that they might like to encourage. And it's what's interesting is because the majority of the money comes from games and other kind of big big venues. I'm not sure if they lowered the rates for, you know, sort of smaller developers, if it would, they would take a big financial hit, but they may have the ability to turn, you know, sort of slightly dial up um, the ability for um, small developers to be sustainable. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely wishful thinking, hopeful. Like, I don't know if it's actually something would ever come from it. I would just certainly like it if they did. But I think it's nevertheless, it's just like, it's interesting to see. And, you know, it maybe not this year, maybe next year, maybe never, but you know, it, it's, it gives, gives me hope that the 30%, 70% cut um, isn't something that is forever set in stone. We can hope. I'm not going to hold my breath, though. <laughs> but thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.